Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The Lob, your home of in-depth coverage and analysis by these football times, a movement of journalism you can trust. Each week, we endeavour to bring you the very best coverage of the game, exploring stories from the past and present with analysis by expert guests from around the world. Find more of our award-winning content online and in print. In the meantime, enjoy the podcast. Hi. And welcome to another episode of the Lob Pop podcast from These Football Times. My name's Gary Thacker, and we're back with Series 2 of Mount Rushmore, where we ask invited guests to select four players, one goalkeeper, one defender, one midfielder, and one forward, who they believe deserve to be immortalised on their club's very old Mount Rushmore monument. It's not necessarily about the best players, the longest serving, or the top goal scorer. It's for each guest to choose their own criteria and the players that they feel are the most deserving. Before we introduce this week's guest, however, I'd love to say a little bit himself, about himself and the club he's chosen his players from. I need to introduce our two co-hosts. So, firstly, Aidan Williams, COVID sufferer, Newcastle fan, <laughs> victory. So things aren't too bad, buddy. How are you going? <laughs> things are on the up. They're on the up on the football field and with COVID. I, I, I may still be positive, but my voice, I think, is a bit better than it was a couple of nights ago when we last spoke. So all good. And even my camera's working. Everything's going so much better today. Uh, so very much looking forward to this one. Fiorentina, uh, an epic club, great club that we've, we've talked about. We've done magazines on. We, we've, we've talked about at length and it's a really fascinating topic. So, so many great players to look at. Indeed. It'll be interesting to see the picks and the rationale behind. Grand. And here's a seamless segue into our second co-host. There's only one club scored more points in 2022 than Newcastle United. And that's Liverpool, who won the, the derby today. And a beaming Stevie Scrag, who was there and is now joining us. How are you doing, Stevie? Oh yeah, skimming at the last minute. My throat's not so great, but that's more less less COVID and more shouting at the football. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah, a, a, a pleasing day at, at, at the footballing office today. Good stuff, buddy. Good stuff. Right, so just uh, moving on to our guest. Our guest today is Giancarlo Ronaldo. He's been writing about Italian football for more than thirty years, starting with the Fanzine Legore, before moving on to Football Italian magazine and a website, and producing three books on the subject. He's now also one half of the Rigori podcast with his cousin Marco and lives in Scotland, but his family is from Tuscany, hence the support for Fiorentina. Giancarlo, welcome. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, that we'll fill a few gaps in, and why Fiorentina? Well, yeah, I mean, you've, you've oh, the name gives you a clue, really, to the accent doesn't, but the name does um, as to why I support Fiorentina. I was born and brought up in Scotland, but the family's from Tuscany. Um, a little village called Barga, which uh, a lot of Scottish Italians are from. Um, and when I was about um, 12 years old, in fact, younger than that, we went over 
for family holidays and it just so happened that there's a big sports complex near Barga where some teams do their pre-season called Il Choco, which um, I mean, I think actually um, Everton have been there um, not to not to um, provoke any ire from, from other hosts, but um, Rangers, Kilmarnock, a lot of British teams have done their pre-season there as well, but it happened that when I was but uh, an impressionable youth many years ago, um, Fiorentina did their, their pre-season there. And my local team in Scotland is Queen of the South. Um, so I've suffered quite a lot with them. And um, to see these sort of gods descend from the, the hillside, this was in sort of early 80s. So Fiorentina had a number of, um, they were future World Cup winners at that time. And then they came back after they they'd won the World Cup and so, you know, these were um came into the village and the the, the women swooned and, and the men did too really, you know, they would it was amazing to be in a in a little village and they played a, a pre season game against the kind of the local side and thrashed them forty eight one or something and, and and everyone thought this was amazing. But I just fell in love, I think, as a lot of people do with the purple strip really as well. And and that that was it really from from then on. They were my Italian team. They were the nearest team, really, the nearest big team, anyway, to um, where the family's from. And you know, I just I've followed them through, through thin and thinner ever since. <laughs> and it's it's certainly an iconic club. And uh, we covered uh, Fiorentina in one of our magazines a few um, editions back. But interesting, you mentioned about Queen of the South. As Queen of the South as a club, well, has a as the name has a certain religious distinction. I'm not sure if you know what that is. Well, we claim to be the only team in the Bible. That's Correct. that's our, that's same. Um, even in the club song, we we yeah. sing that with a, a terrible rhyme that involves viable and Bible <laughs> rhyming with one another. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I think the Queen of the South shall rise again is is concealed somewhere in the in the Bible. So and and often that can be. Queen of the South only claim to fame, really. Can I say, have you been been... waiting for this rise since then? Well, pretty, pretty much. Although, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's sad, sad times because I think, I mean, I, I think you guys probably all had victories over the weekend. But Queen of the South just got relegated to League One at the weekend. We drew with Air United, and that sealed our fate. Um, after nearly ten years in the Scottish Championship, we're going down to League One, and uh, Fiorentina managed to lose as well. So it's been a been a pretty tough it's been a pretty tough weekend for 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 me so yeah no queen of the south the the local team i'm a season ticket holder there as well so but but we've actually in in comparative terms the last the last decade's been pretty amazing for queen of the south um, sadly back down to the third tier of scottish football now okay well let's see if we can pick, pick up the uh your weekend for you and we'll, we'll sort of Neatly gloss over the rhyming of viable and viable. I mean, there will have a little bit of poetic license there. But let's wait for the Queen of the South to rise again and put that to one side for a second. We're going to talk about Fiorentina. So let's start off with the goalkeeper. Um, before you give us your choice, uh, Giancarlo, who, who was close? Who came, who was in the, uh, the running to the end? Oh, well, I mean, there have been a few, there were a few good goalkeepers. I, I, I tried to stick mostly with players that I'd seen play because I mean my my dad would tell me that um you know guys like um Albertosi were were and and Giuliano Sarti were great goalkeepers for for Fiorentina and um, people that remember the great Inter side or remember Sarti as well he was 
played there. And Albertozzi, I think, won back-to-back Scudetti with uh, Fiorentina and, and Cagliari. But uh, although, you know, I am quite old and the, the hairline is what it is, um, I don't really remember them playing. The, the, the first goalkeeper I can really remember for Fiorentina who would have entered this mix, I think, would have been Giovanni Garli, who played for Italy as well at the couple of World Cups, I think. I mean, he didn't play particularly well for Italy. In fact, at one stage, I think, one World Cup, he was nicknamed Two Shots, Two Goals, which is a, is not a great nickname for a goalkeeper. Um, but for Fiorentina, he was he was a pretty solid um, shot stopper. And he was also a Tuscan as well, which, you know, that, that kind of endeared him to the to the Fiorentina fans too. So he was he was definitely one that 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 was in that was in the mix. Um, another um, who'd be more familiar probably to um, British football fans was say uh, Arthur Boruch, the the holy goalie, um, as he was known, famous, very very popular with Celtic fans, and had a few seasons at Fiorentina as well, and and did pull off some amazing saves. But he probably felt he wasn't there for long enough really to um, you know a bit of a cult hero perhaps but not not really for me anyway the 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 greatest that I've ever seen but the closest um certainly to to kind of ousting who I have chosen was probably Sebastian Frey who played for Inter Milan but was a was an absolute legend for Fiorentina during European games as as well there's a there's a chant um, about him, which is a bit, which is a bit rude, um, but it 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 suggests that um, uh, how much success you would have with women if you had Sebastian Frey's hair. Um, so I'll I'll not go into the 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 gory <laughs> the gory details of, of the chant, but he was a an absolute legend for for Fiorentina Frey. He, he played with Inter as well, played with Parma too, but I think. He would say he does say that you know his heart was was left in in Florence and he was part of some some great um, European seasons for for Fiorentina as well. So those were the names that that kind of came close, but to me they were all just a a, a step down from from the person that I've chosen. Well, there's certainly some some um, famous and celebrated names that you've gone through. So this guy must be something special. So. So who's your choice of goalkeeper, Giancarlo? I, I went for uh, Francesco Toldo, which, uh, again, is maybe not the best-known goalkeeper to, to UK listeners, but to Serie A listeners, he'll be, he was a, an institution in Florence for a long, long time. He'd, he'd, he'd started out, actually, at Milan, and it was a funny one because it, it was that sort of... He was part of squads in that kind of great Milan era, but because... They had um, so many choices. It was kind of surplus to requirements. Uh, so really, you know, kind of Milan's excesses were were Fiorentina's blessing, really, in a sense, because they weren't that keen on having him. Fiorentina were, and and Fiorentina got him. And he really, you know, he, he for the best part of a decade, he was a, a a legendary shot stopper. I think probably his finest hour, actually, unlike Galli, was was possibly with. The national team may, may remember the the game with the Netherlands, at, um, where he saved penalties during the game, and then Italy won on penalties at, at the end, and he saved more. and 
I don't know, I lost count of, of the number of penalties he saved, but he did play, you know, a big part for Fiorentina and the, the, the sort of times of, of Batistuta came over and saved penalties here as well in the UK, I think against I think played against Arsenal, had a great game and, and you know, it just was I think he was a new type of goalkeeper for Italian football as well, really, because I don't remember prior to him there being that many big, tall goalkeepers. Most goalkeepers, you think of Dino Zoff or you know the the Peruzzi's, they were all they were all quite small goalkeepers, really, comparative to now. Whereas we've seen the progression of goalkeepers to be in these kind of giant figures, and he was the first one I'd really seen, certainly at Fiorentina, that was. You know, big tall guy. I'm not sure he was six five, six six. He's certainly a, a tall guy, but amazingly agile as well. And and that really, you know, it it obviously coincided with a really good Fiorentina side as well that was able to get into the Champions League. And you know, as with all Fiorentina teams, it didn't win a lot, but it they did they did they were a good they were a good team. And he was kind of the the, the, the top man in, in goals at, at that time. As I say, I'd, I'd never seen a guy that was that big and that agile at the same time. And so that was what really edged it for me, that it just was something out of the ordinary. He went on to win trophies eh, with, with Inter after he left Fiorentina. But, you know, for for a long time, he was a, a mainstay of the of the Fiorentina defence and an absolute, an absolute star for us. Sure. Uh, come to you first, Davey. Last week we were talking about a team far less celebrated, shall we say, than, than Fiorentina and uh, most discussing names that uh, would be less known to listeners. That's not the case today. And even with the goalkeepers, we're away and running, aren't we? Oh, definitely. And I think you know, we've said before about how uh, certain clubs will be blessed in certain areas. And that's... Amazing thing will be throughout this podcast is just how blessed Fiorentina have been in all departments, yet they've not managed to drag it together collectively as often as they should have done, really. Uh, and maybe goalkeeper is possibly the strongest area that they've ever had. Uh, you know, Enrique Albertosa is uh, mentioned there early on, and you know, he's a goalkeeper that I was always fascinated with because I, you'd see his name attached to the 1970 World Cup. And, you know, you knew Dino Zoff was around at that point in time. Zoff had played in the 1968 European Championship. So who is this intruder on, on Dino Zoff's career almost? And then as, as you, you know, I wrote an article about him for these football times and, you know, a, a fascinating character that, that, you know, won league titles with, with, went on to win it with Milan as well. Uh, you know, went to four World Cups. You know, there was a petition for him to go to a fifth. Uh, but yeah, you know, before my time, but someone utterly fascinated with, and then you find out about Juliana Sarti, uh, and, and then yeah, Toldo just falls straight into this this litany of of great goalkeepers. And Toldo, I think, was a wonderful goalkeeper. You know, I I felt I, I always remember it's bizarre to say it now, but I always felt at at a point in time in his earlier part of his career that um, that Buffon was something of a, a show pony of a goalkeeper almost. That he was, you know, a lot of saves for the camera, you know, pushing the ball away when he could have caught it, and you know, uh, you know, stuff like that. There was a touch of the, uh, um, oh, I'm gonna, his name's gonna slip my mind now. Um, which, oh, God, he, he was Sampdoria's goalkeeper, title winning side, and 
went Paliuka. on to play for Inter. Paliuka, you know, he he ticked that box as well for me. Was that you know he'd punch when he could catch? It, it was just you know, saves for the camera almost. And obviously Buffon went on to to mature as a wonderful goalkeeper. But Euro two thousand when Taldo played, you know, I, I think Italy came through to get so close to winning that competition because of Taldo. He he was the foundation of that side, and Fiorentina had you know a wonderful service for him. Yeah, yep. I mean. Don't you, Aiden? I mean, obviously, Steve sings the praises of Toldo, much as Jim Carlo has. I remember um, one of the names mentioned, uh, Giovanni Sarti, who uh, played for um, Bernardini's um, Viola. Um, wonderful goalkeeper and uh, played in the 67 uh, European Cup one against Celtic. What are your thoughts on, on Toldo and the goalkeepers that uh, Jim Carlo mentioned? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, obviously, Steve talked about Albertosi there, and my memories of that are similar, sort of knowing him from the 1970 World Cup. The mention of Galli is interesting because I, I do remember seeing him in 86 uh, and thinking he was a bit flaky. I think he, he was it against Argentina in the group where there was a, a goal where he sort of he pretty much stood and watched the ball go past him from an angle. And I, I distinctly recall the, uh, the punditry discussions afterwards questioning all Italian goalkeepers based on, on that which seemed a little harsh. And I'm sure that my rash judgment based on that is incredibly harsh on, on Galli as well. Because <laughs> to have even got to that position of Italian goalkeepers t- tells you something. And that's the same about Toldo. Um, the Euro 2000 game that Giancarlo mentioned there is obviously the one that sticks in the mind when you think of Francesco Toldo. I guess it's a shame that the final went the way it did because the, the last minute equaliser from Sylvain Wiltord in the final Toldo possibly could have got down slightly quicker or got his hand there. And that, but in your mind, you don't really recall that about France winning that final against Italy. You don't see it that way. In, when you remember Toldo in Euro 2000, you remember heroics in the semi-final. And that's good. That's good because that should outweigh a very minor, minor infraction possibly in the final. Uh, that, that, that serves him better. But I think you, you're talking, Gary, about the contrast to some of the others we've had on this series so far, we've gone through lower league teams and a sort of lower top flight team, uh, if we're being generous, I guess. Uh, but now the similarities, again, I think with somebody we talked about the other day on the last pod in terms of misfortune of timing. We talked about that a bit with Ian Wright in terms of his international um, selection and, and limited opportunity and how that was largely due to the, the sort of abilities of others and the strengths in, in, in depth in that position. I think Toldo was probably very unfortunate in that despite being one of Italy's finest goalkeepers and, and probably one of the finest for quite some time, he was at a time where there were several like that. So obviously Buffon being the, the biggest one, as Steve said, it, the, the, the crossover is very much early uh, Buffon rather than, than prime Buffon. But obviously, that still had an impact on him internationally. We've mentioned Paliuka. There was also Peruzzi, Abiati, Marcagiani, people like this at that time in the 90s. All these names would be so familiar to so many people um, in this country from watching Football Italia and Gazetta and so on. Um, there really was a lot of strength and depth in Italian goalkeeping at that time. And Toldo was right up there with it 
he was unfortunate not to really get a sustained spell as top choice for Italy. Euro 2000 came away by fortune as well because Buffon broke his hand about a week or two prior to the tournament. So it's only really because of that that Toldo got his place uh, as the starting keeper, obviously, he was going to be in the squad as the backup regardless. Um, and yet he produced those heroics and, as you say, was the, the foundation of getting them all the way uh, through the final and, and within a matter of moments of winning it. So that it's unfortunate, but equally to be able to step into the breach in such a situation and, and deliver the way he did shows that despite maybe never being the top man, he was still one of the top goalkeepers around and probably one of the top in the world at the time. Um, that just shows the depth that he was up against. Uh, so it's a little unfortunate from those respects, but I guess that shows that he was, he was one of the finest around and he was able to hold his own there. And Fiorentina, obviously a great servant for, for the club. Um, and it's a shame that we get so many of these tales. I, I'm familiar with this anyway. Players doing well, doing well-ish at your club and they're moving somewhere else to win stuff. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, the um, one of the things I mentioned is Toldo did win two Coppa Italias, I think, with uh, the Fiorentina. So you know, as well as sort of coming to the top of of the um, you know even the Fiorentina goalkeepers we've discussed there, you know, I think that's he's earned his place on Mount Rushmore. So we're going to put the goalkeeper place to uh, Francesco Toldo. Are we allowed to inscribe the the the, the chant for Sebastian Fry underneath him just to sort of make so we can all see what yeah, it we're says? Gonna, we can... We're going to put it in Italian though, so uh, so hopefully we'll uh, <laughs> pick, pick it up. I'll ask you, Carl, to tell me afterwards. When I do when I do the carving, I'll uh, I'll put it in <laughs> in italics. So we'll uh, we'll see, and I'll I'll use the asterisks very sort of uh, selectively. Um, if, if Serie is known about for anything really, it's the strength of the defenders. So. When we're talking about Italian clubs and the defenders uh, who sh- sort of shine, this is this is the sort of the peak of the peak, as it were. So, so looking at the defenders for a Fiorentina, uh, Giancarlo, who who was a sort of near misses, shall we say? This was this was tough as well. It was all it was all tough to, to to be honest with you. I mean, I was going back to one of the first players I remember playing in defence for Fiorentina, certainly when. Um, Foreign players were banned for a lot of the um, from the late sixties through the seventies until nineteen eighty, really. And and when the barrier was was lifted, one of the first players to come Fiorentina was was Daniel Passarella, um, an absolutely amazing player. Now, I mean, I was a bit young to remember, but nonetheless, you know, still spoken of very reverentially by. By Fiorentina fans and a you know a master. It, I think when in those days when you started, they started with just one foreign player. Then you were allowed two, and then time most people remember maybe as when when you had three foreign players in your side. But um, you know, I think I think at that point clubs chose um, a little more wisely, or they spent a little more time. You know, and it really was Serie. When you look back, I mean, there are some there are some oddballs in there. But by and large, the the foreign players they brought in were the the creme de la creme. They were your your sort of Zico's and Socrates. You know, another player didn't work out so well at Fiorentina, but Passarella did. We love an Argentinian, um, and you know he was he was certainly one who you know as I say going back to sort of the earliest memories I had 
Um, he was a name that I thought had to be had to be considered. Others were um, more recent times. I'd, I'd probably had around about the Toldo time was um, a guy who I, I loved his story as much as his swashbuckling style of play. It was Moreno Torricelli, who you know a lot of Fiorentina fans didn't like or were um, sceptical about because of his uh, UV roots, but he actually turned out to be a, an amazing um, acquisition for, for Fiorentina and great galloping down the wing, which has been a problem position for Fiorentina in, in more recent times. You know, So a lot of fond memories of him. Down the other flank, Manuel Pasquale, who was captain of Fiorentina, bringing things more up to speed, played for Italy as well quite a few times. Um, not a very fashionable player, really, but a guy that always gave, always gave a hundred percent for for Fiorentina, and you know I'd, I'd always thought he was a bit underrated, really, in 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 overall Serie A terms. And going back to the the Argentinians again, the 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 guy who for I think for about ten years in FIFA was known as the young defender Gonzalo Rodriguez, who was absolutely amazing defender for Fiorentina in um, marshalling that defence, scored a lot of goals as well, um, you know, really had a, a, an eye for coming forward. And I think memory serves not bad on the guitar as well. I think it was one of his one of his things. But, I mean, he played a lot of games for Fiorentina and was, you know, a, a real leader. I think that is the, the thing you get with a lot of, um, certainly the Argentinian defenders that have come Fiorentina's way, was that, you know, they they bring a, an extra element to a defection. He was he was elegant, but he was strong as well. And it was certainly it was a you know he he pushed um, my selection really all the way. And it was it was perhaps more um, emotional than than footballing things that finally finally swayed my decision on who to pick. Okay, then so given that given that then let's 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 have the name. Yeah, I, I went for Davide Astori, and it was it's it's a very sentimental pick, really, because I, I guess you could have put him on Mount Rushmore for certainly for Cagliari, um, possibly for Roma as well. But um, you know, just um, such a a quiet leader um, of the Fiorentina team, really, and tragically it died. Um, Fiorentina were. A way to play Udinese in 2018. I can I can remember exactly where I was when I got a notification on my phone, and I just I, I stood um just a couple of hundred yards from my front door, and I was frozen to the spot for I, I don't know. It seemed like forever. I phoned my dad. I, I was almost in tears. He he was too, and, and completely in 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 disbelief. It's not just for that, you know, because we don't know that that's the tragedy, I suppose. It's a double tragedy. Somebody dies young and then somebody who's involved in sport and we imagine them to be, you know, the, the fittest and the best and our brightest or whatever, you know, and that's that, that's that's such a that's such a tragedy and so hard to come to terms with. There's also the the not knowing of what, what might have been because, you know, he was um, certainly a, a a player. I mean, a, a, not dissimilar to Toldo in a way that um, was playing for Italy, but his place was kind of his path was blocked a bit by your your other 
bigger names, your your Giellinis, Bonucci's, whatever. But you know, just from all accounts, such a lovely, genuine guy, and just a you know, as I say, a, a quiet leader of the of the Fiorentina team. And I think you know, you could see the way that affected the players that were there at the time, and even you know, now that they've gone on to to other clubs, I think a lot still remember and Fiorentina for a long time wore the the armband uh, in his honour and they still to this day in the in the 13th minute which was his shirt number you know they still have a, a round of applause in in Florence I mean it's particularly poignant when they play Calgary who's the other club where he played you know most of his games um, so as I say it, it, sometimes life Intervenes in 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 footballs and and you, you get a a sense that we we get caught up sometimes in talking about you know it's a tragic defeat or it, you know whatever we 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 get a bit hy- hyperbolic about um, sporting matters but this this truly was a a tragedy and you know I, I think as I say you still see his um, his picture there in Florence and on flags and. Everyone remembers them, and uh, you know. So, for me, th- th- really, there there could only be one one person I would want put on there. Yeah, I'm first. I've been surprised if you picked anybody else. Um, come to you first, Aiden. I mean, obviously, with a player like a story who's actually played. I think he played more than three times as many games for Calgary as he did for um, for Fiorentina. But you know, as you mentioned in the intro, it's not who's the longest serving player. It's not who's scored the most goals. It's who becomes part of a, you know, who find a place in the, in the fans' hearts. And clearly, your story uh, has found a place in Julian Carlos. We can be surprised at that. No, totally. And he obviously had become captain that season as well, hadn't he? As well as the, you know, the, the performance he was putting in. And as Julian Carlos said, the sort of manner of his leadership might have been the more calm and um, uh, quiet style rather than the, the ranting and raging style of, of some leadership. But that's, as inspiring in a, in a in a different way and and possibly makes people follow you all the greater or resonates as well and he's clearly someone who's had an impact on a lot of people um regardless of of what ultimately befell him um and and therefore once once that tragedy did strike it's it's going to have an exponentially greater impact of course isn't it and that's where being club captain being someone who's career is clearly uh was clearly in in a good place he he was you know on the fringes of the national setup as you say again slightly misfortune of of the successes of others but you know that that's that that's the way that that is but it's going it's going to hit harder and it's going to it's going to leave a lasting imprint on the fans and i think that's that's how it is and that's where you know we've talked Giancarlo's talk there of other defensive options that could have been chosen, but that's that's picking who may be the best Fiorentina defender down the years, and that's not what necessarily we're after, is it? And that's it, it's what that connection, that bond, and you're never going to get a bond that lasts in the way that something as tragic as this uh, will will forge. Um, you know, your club captain dying in the hotel the night before a league game, it you know that 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 that's going to leave a, a lasting imprint. And, you know, the issues, I, I think Italian football maybe 
I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much in this here. He died of a heart issue that wasn't spotted or was spotted, but wasn't looked at properly. Uh, and then you look at more recently, Christian Eriksen wasn't allowed to remain with Inter Milan because of a heart condition. Maybe things have, have changed for the better because of what happened to a story. I don't know. I might be overthinking it, but you know, there, there seems certain parallels in, in what's happened to our story and to Ericsson and how the rules seem to have changed of, of what, uh, what is allowed in Italy or what should be checked or, or what, uh, how these things are dealt with. So I don't know whether that's some sort of lasting, lasting memorial to him, but equally the memorial from Fiorentina and their fans Calgary too, but obviously he was a Fiorentina player, Fiorentina captain when this happened. Um, clearly a good player, clearly an excellent player with, with huge prospects to go even further in the game. Tragically cut short, but that will leave a lasting impression that would he'll forever be a Fiorentina captain. Look at it that way. You know, he'll, he'll remain a Fiorentina captain uh, and that will never change. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Um... They're happy to sort of place the defender um, slot on the Antonio's Fiorentina's Mount Rushmore to uh, Davide Astori. Um, I, 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 interesting to ask you, Jim Carlo, is going to move on to the midfield. I mean, I always look at the, the options today, um, and my word, my word, there are, se- there are certainly plenty of midfield options. I mean, would, would you think this midfield one would be the diffi- most difficult choice, and, and who came close? Yeah, yeah, and certainly for me, it was a this was a this was a big struggle. I mean, I, th- I think there's some players maybe in Fiorentina's history cross. You know, you could you could define them as forwards. You could define them yeah. as as midfielders, I suppose. So you know that that gave me a bit of a, a bit of leeway. But nonetheless, yeah, this was a this was a tall order. Um, there there a lot of great players have come through have come through Fiorentina. I mean, I did. I always tell people, although it's not true, that I was named after Giancarlo Di Sisti, who won the the Scudetto in Florence in in nineteen sixty nine, who was a a great midfielder of that era. But again, another player that I don't personally remember, although he did come back to Fiorentina as as manager. So you know, I do have some memories of him. But moving into my own era, it's certainly you know really difficult. Um, one guy who, you know, for sentimental reasons again entered the the mix was Angelo Di Livio, who was the only player to, like so many clubs, Fiorentina went through financial problems and were um, sent down to Serie C due, the, the fourth tier of Italian football. Everyone went for the exit doors, apart from Di Livio, who was an Italian international. Uh, and took a pay cut. I think he ended up as like ten percent of the pay that he was on to help Fiorentina back up um, to where they they rightly felt they belonged. So you know that that was that was an example of of great loyalty. That uh, you know again from a, an ex Juventino that um, you know comes as quite a surprise to Fiorentina fans. More recently, um, Borja Valero, who you know. It, it it slightly irks me when he's always called sort of West Brom misfit by UK pundits, but for for Fiorentina he was he was an absolute an absolute legend and a beautiful beautiful player to to watch on the ball such such balance and another man that 
fell in love with Florence. Um, you know, he, he's now come back to play for a, a little team in, in Florence because he loves the city so much. It's, um, and they call him the Sindaco, the mayor, um, because he's, he's so enamoured of, of the city itself. So that was another bond. And then right up there, which, you know, this was, I don't know, it was like choosing your favourite child or something, this, you know, because <laughs> uh, you, you, you made me leave out uh, Manuel Rui Costa, who, you know, I saw him play many times for, for, for Fiorentina on my trips to Italy. And then I saw him come back with Milan and, you know, he always did the decent thing and never had a very good game against Fiorentina. And uh, I can remember being there and applauding him off the, the pitch. I think he'd played a sort of 15-minute cameo when he'd come on as a substitute and, you know, just held back those pitch-perfect passes that he used to hit so that uh, so that Fiorentina could... Because I think, you know, there was no secret. He was another one that was sold when, when Fiorentina went to the wall. He, he was... He, he went... West to, to to Milan to try and and help save the club that he loved. There was a huge bond with the uh, with Fiorentina there, so that was it. It, it really it, it caused me a lot of uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth to leave out um, to leave Rui Costa out. But there there was one person who um, to me is an even greater Fiorentina legend in the midfield. So, I mean, that gives you an idea of what kind of level of player we're talking about. Indeed. I mean, as I researched earlier, I've got, uh, I got Delivio down and I've got uh, Rui Costa. Also, Dunga as well. I played for, uh, for a short time for Fiorentina. Montalivo, there's plenty of choice there. But, yeah, I think when you sort of reveal who the choice is, this guy's head and shoulders um, as a Fiorentina legend, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's Giancarlo Antonioni. Uh, that that's if if people don't know um, when he was um, born and when he played, I tried to say that I was named after him, but in reality, he only started playing for Fiorentina about five or six years after I was born. So it's not actually possible unless my father, <laughs> unless my father and mother could see in could see into the future. But if I get people who don't know too much about football or Italian football. I tried to I tried to pass that off, but I I sort of alluded to this a bit in my intro as well that he was he was one of the gods who came down from the hills into the little village that my family was from, and everyone swooned when they saw him after the World Cup. I've still got somewhere a poster signed by Giancarlo Antonioni, and I saw him play for the first time when I was maybe eleven, twelve years old on a dusty bobbly pitch in summer baked in um, Tuscany and he he glided across the pitch. He didn't run. Um he hit passes that you know and and uh, you know you see head and shoulders like that. He played with his head up all the time. That's my lasting memory of him. Does it he didn't need to look down to see that the ball was at his feet. He knew it was at his feet. That was just instinctive. And you know the the loyalty that he had to to Fiorentina as well for for so long. When you know uh, again, you know he said it himself that he could have had many more trophies elsewhere, but he loved Florence. Florence loved him. He nearly died on the pitch 
for for Fiorentina when he was um, struck by Genoa goalkeeper Silvano Martina, and that's when Florence held its breath. He, 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 and we can't swallow your tongue, but but whatever the the technical thing, you know, they were they had to reanimate him on the on the pitch, and he was out for a for a long long time. But he stayed faithful to Fiorentina. Fiorentina fans loved him. I mean, I think you know there's uh, there's still flags to this day with his face on them and you know that's Antonio Unico Dieci is what they call me, Antonio the, the only number 10 so that you know there'd be nobody else as I say although Rui Costa pushed him very 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 close and is a beautiful player but to me there was there was there couldn't be another choice if you were if you're picking a, a, a name for you know for that midfield it was just an age as well when I was falling in love with football and he was you know, he was the only non-Juventus player in the Italian national team as well. So if you didn't like Juve, who were you going to pick? It had to be, it had to be Antonioni, really. And he was a classic playmaker that probably we don't see in the in the game anymore. Just so elegant, took a great free kick as well, and and was was captain for a long, long time. And you know, I, I don't think you know Fiorentina ever see the likes of that. That player again, really, you know, just a, a an absolute an absolute club legend. Yeah, I mean, I remember him playing. Uh, I mean, just to use the word elegant, I think that that's that's absolutely sums him up. And you know, this is a guy who played for the club for fifteen years, I think. Um, and I think he's the record appearance holder for the club. The one club man, and what what a player! What a player, Stevie Antonioni. Oh, a magnificent player! Uh, you know, Giancarlo's, um, you know, is is eulogising of him. There is almost like a, you know, it's a requiem to him. You know, a, a magnificent footballer who had absolutely everything. You know, he had a turn of speed that he could use that he didn't didn't use it very often. But when he did use it, there was a there was a there was this great burst of speed. But within that, it's it's the vision, it's the power of that right foot. It's you know his control of the ball. It's you know his I don't know the omnipresence on the pitch. Uh, you know absolutely unbelievable. It's amazing really that Italy managed to win that nineteen eighty two World Cup final without him. You know uh, having having picked up the injury in the semi final. Uh, you know he was so key to be his own uh, you know um, Italy side, and 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 that that longevity as well with Fiorentina. There would have been many 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 offers on the table to go elsewhere and, and the fact that he, he stayed there you know it just made him even more of a hero you know uh, an absolutely magnificent footballer yeah Aiden. yeah there's something about uh certain clubs that seem to inspire certain loyalty sometimes i think um we, we talked about Toldo was there a long time i think there'll be another one coming up who might have a fair bit of loyalty to the club as well and and Rui Costa's another one we mentioned. I mean, this is where your, your rules here, Gary, they're just too harsh. It's too unfair. We need some sort of subs bench or something like that. Because <laughs> Rui Costa, you know, the guys have eulogized a bit about Antonioni then. Um, I, could, I could eulogize about Rui Costa as well. He had that same elegance, that same style and swagger. He, he's the kind of player who just made things look so easy on the pitch. And he, he sort of 
he, he sort of forced you to look at him. You know, he's the kind of he had that sort of charisma aura on the pitch and, and did everything with such style, usually with his socks down around his ankles as well, which just seems to add to the allure, I think, somehow. Um, but he was another one who was there for quite some time, of course. Um, maybe it's just the kind of place that people fall in love with and want to stay. I, I suspect it's that, that there might well be something in that in terms of Florence as a place, Fiorentina fans as a, as a fan base. It's the cradle of culture as well, of course. You know, this is where it all began in Italy. So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of elements to it that, that are the pull factors. Um, but obviously, Antonioni uh, took it to a whole nother level. So as much as I think Rui Costa was an absolutely magnificent player, I, I can't argue with the pick. <laughs> it's, it's, it's clear that this is the right one. Uh, even if this had been before Giancarlo's time, it would have probably been something that you'd have been, you know, drawn to regardless. But obviously, the fact that he came down from the hills and, uh, and wowed you in, in the early 80s is, is, well, you know, that's, that's good enough reason, even if he didn't nearly die on the pitch for, for, the, for Fiorentina. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, he's, sometimes he's harsh, but it's, it's sort of great to sort of have different opinions of players and who you think, you know, should be, uh, should be the, the chosen one. But, but obviously, the, the whole essence of this is about, you know, the guest choice, and it's great to have the debate about it. But, you know, I mean, Antonio, I mean, what a player. What a football. So, yeah, I mean, Rui Costa, honourable mention, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have been amazed if it's ever been this guy for the midfielder's place. So we moved, we moved to the last guy, the forward, the forwards, and um, there again, some great players. So give me the near misses, uh, Giancarlo, before we talk about your choice. Yeah, yeah, it was it was another. They were all they were all tough choices, but this was another one where the 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 heart was pulled in at least two or three directions. Two of them certainly very, in fact, three of them very very strongly. Really, um, going back in time again, um, my dad would say Kurt Hamrin um, would certainly have got a mention because. Uh, the, the the little bird as he was nicknamed in Italy, Lucellino, great um winger who scored a barrel load of goals for, for Fiorentina. My dad saw him playing against Rangers in the uh, the Cup Winners Cup final that, that Fiorentina won over two legs. Um he tells a story about um Hamrin doing keepy uppies uh, down the wing. <laughs> whilst gesticulating to the crowd, so it, which would endear him, I imagine, to the to the Ibrox faithful, you know. So that that obviously <laughs> that obviously that that kind of performance and that kind of goal contribution, um, you know, and another man that, that fell in love with with Florence really that still stays in in Tuscany. So you know, is amazing, amazing player. Um, bringing it more up to up to date, um, you know, I think these were the. The other two that were very close for me was one was um, Luca Toni, who uh, um, to continue the theme of naming children, that's who I tell my son that that he's named after, um, and and that you know it's not impossible that and obviously um, was part of the World Cup winning side in two thousand and six, and really you know quite a quite an unfashionable, ungainly sort of and and got to the scene at the top level relatively late in his career. And he didn't look like, you know, it didn't look like he was going to be the most graceful or agile striker. And yet, 
he produced, I mean, in one particular season, but, you know, right across his time at Fiorentina, he produced some amazing goals for a big sort of relatively gangly man. He was remarkably coordinated. Um, but prior to him, and the, uh, I think far and away the closest rival was um, Roberto Baggio, who I chose to include as a, as a forward. I could have put him as a midfielder, I guess, but he scored so many goals that, you know, and we we nursed him in, in Florence, nursed him through injury, signed him from Vicenza, um, and then two days later, he was still playing with Vicenza, he got a bad injury, uh, had an operation on his knee, struggled to come back, but Fiorentina honoured the deal because he was such a talent, and, you know, he spent five years at, in Florence, although he didn't play the full five years, but you could see what an amazing talent he was. And, and obviously at Italia 90, I think the world uh, began to get an inkling of what level of, of talent he was. And, you know, a player who I don't think, you know, as I say, Rui Costa, I don't think we'd have left Florence if it hadn't been for financial reasons. I think the same was probably true for Baggio. He said it himself in his book that, you know, he would have stayed. Where, where he gives of his best or where he gave of his best was where he felt loved where he settled, and so that was Fiorentina, Bologna, Brescia, really. He never, he never quite felt the same unconditional love at the big clubs that he played for. Not that he didn't play amazingly well for them, but, you know, I think he would have stayed if it hadn't been that Fiorentina were going to change ownership. And he was basically told, you know, that, you know, you need to go so I can sell the club on to the next owner. So, as I say, not quite as hard as 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 perhaps picking between Rui Costa and Antonioni, but leaving leaving the the divine ponytail on the sidelines was was pretty difficult as well. I'll bet. Um, when we you know we talk about we leaving Badgie on the spot on the sideline and Kevin Hamron, who you mentioned, who scored I don't know two more than two hundred goals in three hundred and sixty odd league games for um, from the wing position, not even the central striker. You know, there's some. But I know there's a particular member of the uh, these football times collective who would be screaming his head off if this guy you're going to say, tell us now wasn't chosen as the Fiorentina forward and the only non-Italian player in your four. So tell me who he is, Nicola. It it will surprise absolutely nobody um, that it's Gabriel Omar Batistuta, um, uh, one of the greatest players I've ever seen play. He was a pleasure to see him play live on a on a number of occasions in, in Florence and there was there was nothing quite like him. I've never seen a, a striker like him in his pomp. He was a, a force of nature and you just he, you felt when he got the ball, you know, it didn't matter what was between him and the goal really. It would all be going out the way defenders, the ball would carry the goalkeeper into the net. It didn't matter. You know, he was that was happening. There was an inexorable path. Um, from the ball at his foot to the back of the net, and nothing was nothing was going to stop him. And to be in Florence when the chant went up, "Batty goal," um, it, it still puts the I don't have much hair left, but you know what's on the back of my neck still stands up and end at at the thought of that because there was such a a bond, such a love um, between Florence and, and Batty, and he was the the undisputed. Leader of that of that team, and and just and uh, curiously, you know, when he was signed, the, 
the Fiorentina signed two Argentinians at the same time. They signed Diego Latorre and they signed Batistuta. And they actually thought that Latorre was the better player. You know, he was going to be the man that they were going to build a team around for years to come. Well, you know, the the rest is history. Loyalty again, he stayed when when the club was relegated to Serie B. He could have gone elsewhere. He didn't. He stayed and that, you know, won his place in the heart of fans even more so. And then just goals. He scored goals. I mean, there was that spell. I'm sure anybody that um, watched Football Italia on Channel 4 would remember um, Peter Brackley, you know, interrupting games. He was either commentating on them or he would let you know the score and he would say, it's that man, Battistuta, again. He had a, a run, you know, which still an Italian record of, of scoring in the, the opening 11 or 12 games, I can't remember. Um you know, and it just, you knew, there was no doubt that, you know, even even when Fiorentina were struggling, probably Batistuta would, would dig you out of trouble because he would score a goal and he scored them always, right foot, left foot, header, delicate finishes sometimes as well. You know, I've done them a disservice making it sound like they were all absolute thunderous strikes. But, you know, the most memorable ones definitely were the ones where he, he silenced the, the camp new, the one where he scored against the Manchester United, against Arsenal, where he one touch knocked it past a man and absolutely thundered it into the net. All these uh, are just the stuff of legend. So, you know, it's sorry to the sorry to the divine ponytail, but you know, there was only one batty goal. Couldn't argue with you, mate. I mean, I just couldn't argue. I mean, the guy scored a hundred and sixty seven goals in hundred and six uh, uh, 167 goals in 269 Serie A games in the you know the most sort of difficult league in Europe to score goals in. This guy rattled him in like there's no tomorrow. Obviously, he also uh, won the Coppa Italia with uh, with Taldo in '96. Aiden, batty goal. What are you getting the number nine shirt for Newcastle? <laughs> Woody, ever. <laughs> I what what a player. On we had a great discussion about about this on the Fiorentina magazine podcast about. Uh, Badistuta and Baggio, and again, this is it's, it's another one way you, you could say, well, look at the great player that we've left out, but you, you can't argue with it because Batistuta for Fiorentina was, was just something more. Um, we talked on that magazine one about the sort of uh, explosive nature of him and, and how it always seemed to be, be this way. It was also... High energy, high octane stuff. It seemed with with Batistuta, right? always highly expressive as well as explosive. And um, he, he's the reason, as I, I mentioned then, why I went to see Fiorentina at, at Wembley in the against Arsenal in the Champions League, and also Argentina at Wembley against England in a in a drab game. But I, I saw him do better in the in the violet shirt than he did in the stripes. But he's the type of person when you think of him. You can only see him, in, other than in Argentina stripes, in the violet. You know, I, I know he's worn Roma kit, uh, and he obviously played a couple of other places in his earlier days. But you know, the, the kit you see when you see Batistuta is the sort of the, the glorious violet with with the sort of white tabs down the side, and and you know the iconic Fiorentina kit. That's that's where he, in your mind's eye, he's synonymous with. That's where him, him as a player is, and. We talk about bonds and loyalty and so on. You know, someone who stays with a club when they get demoted, relegated through uh, misfortune, mismanagement, poor play, whatever. You know, someone who stays with them through that. 
you know, how better to cement yourself as a as a club legend than that? You know, fans latch onto to things like that. That that makes you one of them. It makes you one of their own. No matter where in the world you you hail from, uh, it, it cements you to the locality, to the people, to the club, uh, to its very identity. And that's what Barastuta is to me. The fact that he then, on top of all of that, scored such an incredible total of goals, as you said there, Gary, in in, in a time, I, I guess it wasn't quite as harsh as it was in the 80s for goal scoring, but it wasn't far off. It was, it was still very much the pinnacle of European football, uh, club football in those days in terms of the league. Uh, so he was doing this against the very best week in, week out, at, at the very top of his game. As much as I love Baggio, and, and his Fiorentina tale is a remarkable one as well. You know, the whole coming back with Juventus, refusing to take the penalty, going off and, and picking up the Fiorentina scarf uh, and, and the various comments he'd made about his own feelings about Fiorentina. Uh, I, I couldn't make a case for picking Baggio over Batistuta when it comes to this at all. It, it's clearly the right choice. He, he is the Fiorentina man, undoubtedly. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's... it's... Comes to something when we say this guy is is above Baggio, without even sort of saying there's a, that much of a debate about it. I mean, Steve, the guys who stick the ball in the union bag at the end of the day, I suppose, are the uh, are the prime deliverers of trophies and success. And you know, Batistuta is the easier the top echelon of strikers across uh, in our last sort of 60, 70, 80 years. He's way up there, you know. You think of of goals in Italy from that that period of time, and and Batistuta's, you know, the the go to player. Really, he was the heir to Van Basten in that respect. Uh, you know, in a, in a league that was notoriously difficult to to clock up goals. You know, you'd have top scorers that would barely scrape into you know ten, twelve, maybe fifteen if they were lucky. And then along comes Batistuta. It's in it's in mid twenties. You know, this 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 was. You know the the high, the high benchmark of European world club football. You know, the Serie A of of the nineteen eighties and the nineteen nineties. I I doubt it will ever be eclipsed. You know, it was fantasy football. It's a land where Maradona, you know, was 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 playing to trade Zico, and then along came the next generations. And you know, Batistuta was just an utter force of nature. He was goals. You know, he he was he was a a guarantee of goals, and again, he's he's got that that essence of Antonioni and and that uh, yeah, that that longevity at the club, that that dedication to stick it out there, you know, to go down into to Serie B with them and and stay and fight to get them back up, and then not even going to do that, but to to go up in the following season, first season back up, he scores more goals in Serie A than he did in Serie B the previous season, where you think he should be able to score 15, 20 goals more. Uh, you know, and, and then a year later wins the cup. You know, uh, a wonderful, wonderful player, and uh, and 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 yeah, he's the only, he's the only choice for this team in in this position in this podcast. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So Batistuta fills the the forwards place, and uh, if my chisel breaks, um, when I'm trying to chip away his um, his features, I'm sure I can borrow his white boots because that will take away the rock, no problem at all. Um, so we've gone through the four positions. So we've got uh, Francesco Taldo as the goalkeeper, Davide Astori as defender, Giancarlo Antonioni as the midfielder, and Batistuta as the forward. So the only task left for you now, uh, Giancarlo, is to tell me who 
Mr. Fiorentino. Is there, you can sort of go have one of those players or somebody else, but I, I guess of the three outfield players, they've all got a case for different different reasons. So who would you go for, Mr. Fiorentina? This, although, you know, I've had a lot of the decisions have been difficult, this wasn't that difficult to me because I think just anybody, any Fiorentina fan with, you know, a reasonable knowledge of the history of the club anyway, would say Giancarlo Antonioni. I, I don't think, regardless of, you know, Batistuta would be the only player that would push him close, I think. And obviously, if you were, you know, if you were a player who hadn't seen, if you were a fan who hadn't seen Antonioni play, then you would probably go for Batistuta. But to me, the two are just synonymous, really. It would be impossible to to go for anybody else for the number of appearances, for the 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 loyalty to the the club, to the you know, just that, that, especially that fact, as I say, that he was, you know, he was the Fiorentina's, he was the only non-Juventino in the Italian national team. And he just, he, he came to represent Florence, I think that was, um, you know, and, and the fans used to say, you know, you can you can win the title, but we've got Antonioni. Um, and I don't think, you know, it, it was similar uh, with Batistuta, but it wasn't quite, it wasn't quite the same. So, to me, if if you're seeing Mr. Fiorentina, certainly to to fans of my generation and, and older, uh, it could only be Giancarlo Antonioni. As I said, uh, you know we've been blessed really to have players like that uh, in our history. You know to see players like that, um, you know, and the players that I've mentioned play for Fiorentina. As I say, we don't we don't win much in the way of trophies or titles, but we always like to think from sort of. Antonioni through Baggio to Battistuta, we like to think that we've got a player that um, all of Italy envies, and there was no player stayed longer and was more envied by the rest of Serie A than than Giancarlo Antonioni. Yeah, it's it's interesting to recall you mentioned that um, it, it, it's a bit a, a wonderful surprise if a player like that turned up at uh, at the uh, Stadio. Um, Stadio Franchi again, but I think it'd be a wonderful surprise for Nicholas if a player like that sort of anywhere. Um, to be honest, so, I mean, Stevie, does Dean Collar make a compelling case, or is the emotional case for a story more compelling? Or what about Batistuta? What do you think? I, I think there's there's a lot of rivals, a lot of compelling rivals. There's a, a hell of a lot of talent that's not made the the the, the cut here. Um, you know. It, it's 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 pretty outrageous across the board, really, with with this team. Uh, you know, like no other in that respect to have these this this level of you know this 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 luxury this this uh, you know back catalogue of heroes. Uh, yet you know not being able to kind of pull it together to win the trophies. You know, there's something glorious about them, yet gloriously frustrating about them at the same time. And it doesn't matter who. You know, we said it when we did the the podcast for the magazine that I think I think no matter who you know anyone will say their favourite Italian club is or you know will will um, claim allegiance to one Italian club or another, then you know Fiorentina tends to be you know the at the very least the second favourite cl- you know, club of most because of that kit because of that colour, uh, and and no one represented it better than Antonioni. 
you know, he he, he was Fiorentina in the say, you know, in in a an even more pronounced manner than Batistuta was. You know, he he was he he was just absolutely everything. You know, he 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 was, he was uh, an absolute work of art as a footballer. Sure. Yeah. I'm coming to you. I'm going to borrow a little line from Prince and ask you. Who 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 should be the king of the purple rain? <laughs> very good, very good. I it's it's definitely a generational thing. If if Giancarlo was twenty um, odd years younger, um, possibly his answer would have been different. It would be interesting if we we have some of these chats with with people of different ages at the same club to see how different the picks would be. Um, probably the actual picks wouldn't be particularly different maybe the maybe they're someone who didn't know so much about the history of the club or hadn't lived that period would have picked Rui Costa perhaps um it seems unlikely though even still given given how much Antonioni obviously means to to Fiorentina he's he's a not quite a one club man but he is a one club man and <laughs> to all intents and purposes you know there was there was a, a little spell somewhere else at the beginning and there was a, a couple of years in Switzerland at the end, which, you know, you can easily forget that they ever happened because for all, to all intents and purposes, he was a one club man. And that's, that's, you know, that's how it's remembered. That's how it, how it will remain. You know, there's all sorts of stars of, of big clubs who've had the odd year or two at the end of their careers somewhere else. That doesn't change the fact that they are that club that they were with the entire time prior to that. Uh, and that's what Antonioni is. I think the, there's, for all the, the great players Fiorentina have had, and we, we've talked about some who've missed the cut, some incredible players, it's impossible to argue with any of the picks. And again, when it comes to this final thing, it, again, impossible to argue. I think, again, generationally, perhaps that's where somebody might pick Batistuta. But that would be, I think, missing the wider point of, of what Antonioni was to Fiorentina. So, I. Uh, Fully behind this decision. Get them all carved, Gary. Full house. Full house. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, we've, we've done a number of these podcasts now, a bit, Mount uh, Rushmore and various clubs. And perhaps this is one where we've looked at so many high profile um, entrancing players. And, you know, the discussion has been fantastic about it. So, massive thanks, Jim Carla, for coming on and, uh, and giving us your choices and allowing us to debate with you about it. And amazingly, at the end of the day, everybody seems to agree with you anyway, mate. So, I know it's all a very personal opinion, but you've seemed to have got them right, buddy. So thanks very much for coming on to the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I could uh, talk Fiorentina forever, really. And if you ever need a Queen of the South one, <laughs> that would be a more niche. That would be a more niche publication, I suspect. But you know, I can, I can, I can wax lyrical about them as well. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Ah, oh, bless you. If the Queen of the South rise again, mate, then drop me a line and we'll put you up for Series 3. Um, Stevie, enjoyed it? Oh, an absolute ball. You know, what, what a team, what a guest. Um, you know, so many iconic players to be able to discuss here. You know, that's just been a brilliant, brilliant way to spend, well, the best part of an hour and a quarter. Been a, been a joy. Tom flies when you enjoy yourself, doesn't it? Uh, Aiden, enjoyed it, buddy? Very much so. Fiorentina are the kind of club that just hit our sweet spot, don't yeah. they? You know, the same when we were talking magazines and how much they were requested by so many people as a magazine topic. So therefore, I'm sure this pod is going to be uh, hugely popular as well and, and stir the debate too, because it, it's, a, it's such an iconic club. The kit, 
the the stadium, everything about it, and all these characters that we've talked about just add to the legend. So fantastic pod, really, really enjoyed it. Fantastic guys. So uh, all that's left for me to say is so thank you, say thank you for the listeners for listening in, and uh, to ask you to catch us for the next episode of Mount Rushmore when we'll be inviting another guest to come on and give us their choices for their own clubs, Mount Rushmore. Thanks. Bye. Many thanks for joining us today on The Lob, a These Football Times production. For more of our content, check out our award-winning print magazine featuring some of the game's foremost writers, artists and photographers exploring areas of the game rarely covered in high-end print. For now, we look forward to you joining us again soon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.